Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 41. Hey, this is Tamsin Webster, Idea Whisperer and TEDx Cambridge Executive Producer. And if you want to be the best person you can be, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you're serious about building your network. If that's you, and only if you're serious, you should definitely check out my Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta. If you want more personal engagement, proven connection strategies and tactics, and some awesome giveaways like shopping sprees, Beats headphones, et cetera, et cetera, then head on over to byn.media forward slash FB to join the group, or you can search Facebook groups for Build Your Network Beta and join there. And once you do, please be sure to introduce yourself and say what's up, and I will catch you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Tamsin Webster. 
Tamsin is an acclaimed keynote speaker, idea whisperer, and message strategist. She combined 20 years in marketing with 13 years as a Weight Watchers leader to help people and organizations like Verizon, State Street Bank, Johnson & Johnson, and Disney find the through line of their work and ideas. She's the executive producer of the oldest and one of the largest locally organized TED Talk events in the world, and an in-demand consultant on finding the ideas that move people to action. Tamsin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you go ahead and expound on that intro and then tell us more about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Well, thanks so much for having me, first of all. And second, I love people and organizations that they create. And more specifically, what is it about them that makes them different and valuable? And what gives them energy? Uh, That's something I've done throughout my career. And it's, it's, I'm lucky enough to been able to morph my career into such a way that I get to do the piece of my job that I love the most, most of the time. And I love that. So I, uh, I live in Boston uh, with my husband. Uh, I've got two little boys, seven and nine, and they challenge everything I think I know about <laughs> communication. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tamsin, out of all the companies that you've been able to work with um, that I've mentioned in the intro and then several more, obviously, besides those ones, which one did you really enjoy the most? Oh, that's like asking me to pick a favorite child, which I, I can't really do. Uh, what I what I what I love about any individual organization is that each of them has taught me something really important. Uh, I I worked for a museum right out of my career, and that taught me the value of understanding how important the role of place is in in an organization. It was up on the North shore of Massachusetts in Salem, most known for the witch trials. Um, but, uh, they wanted to be, they, they wanted to be not from Salem and yet Salem was in fact, what made them different. And that really just started a whole bunch of different discoveries. I don't know though. I mean, when it comes to, you know, some certain organizations were wonderful because of the people, uh, that were there. Some of them I loved because they had such an interesting product. Uh, I worked with Tim Berners-Lee and the World Wide Web Foundation. That was fascinating uh, to talk about what he did and why did he do it and what's the what what purpose does the foundation serve now. Uh, but I also love stretching beyond my comfort zone and learning about something or relearning about things. Like when I work for State Street, I write uh, I help them write their their white papers out of their research arm, the Center for Applied Research. And that makes me dig way back into my MBA days and, <laughs> and recall exactly how it is that financial markets work. Um, but every time it's just this is there's always something to learn. And I really couldn't pick a favorite because how can you pick a favorite lesson? Yeah, that's that's how I see it. Yeah, definitely. And let's kind of talk about a culture because when you're working with these companies on a, a consultative basis, do you really get a chance to see how their company culture works? And if so, um, how did that kind of coincide with how you're able to work with them? Well, the culture shows up for me in the the types of decisions that organizations make. And that's what I'm most interested in when I work with organizations on figuring out how to find and, and tell their story a lot of times we look at fairly shallow markers of culture, uh, things like, you know, are the offices nice and are the benefits good? But the culture is really determined by the way an organization makes decisions over time. And so it's been useful that, that one of the things that I'm always asking about first when I'm going into an organization are questions that get at 
a couple of things. First, who are they really for? And I don't mean what's the demographic or they're for moms between 25 and 34. I mean, what's the mindset of the people for whom this organization really exists? And if you think in terms of mindset, that and who a company is for, that by definition sets the culture. So you can look at, for instance, I travel a lot, so forgive the airline comparison, but I live in Boston, so JetBlue has basically a secondary hub here out of Boston, and JetBlue is a a wonderful airline. And and you can see that who they're for uh, is embedded in their tagline, you above all, but they really are for passengers, and they were one of the first organizations, first airlines to put out a passenger bill of rights. Now contrast that with, I know a very easy example of United, but I would say that United actually serves their main audience very well. But you have to understand that United doesn't exist for its passengers. That's not who they're for. They are for their shareholders. And if they are for any class of passenger, then United is for its most traveled passengers, its highest tiered passengers. And if you pay attention to what happened in recent months with United, those people had no problem with United. They didn't stop. And in fact, that, you know, there was an article I just saw recently about you know, United, the bankruptcy and the boycott that wasn't. Nobody stopped flying United. And to me, that's not a lesson in, oh, my goodness, how jaded we all are. But it's it's really about you, you may not agree with a company and what they choose to do and who they're for, but that probably means that they're not for you. And so whenever an organization has that kind of clarity and you can even ask for yourself, if you just observe what they do you'll start to see, well, that must be who they're for. So if you don't like, for instance, the comments that, to take another example, that the the former CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch made about the people who they're for, well, I don't agree with what he said, particularly as a former Weight Watchers leader. I don't believe in fat shaming or any of that. Uh, But he was speaking to his his clientele. Now they didn't, he didn't survive the PR nightmare, but, (laughs) but Abercrombie and Fitch did. So to me, it really starts with who the company is serves. And once you understand who a company serves, then you can start to reverse engineer their decisions. And I think that really sets what, where the culture comes from more than anything else. So much good stuff there, uh, Tamsin. And this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters 
is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Hearing from somebody who's been able to work with these companies like yourself, uh, that was a very, very good perspective on what a company culture looks like and how it's formed. And um, so I really appreciate that. Now, kind of switching gears here, because this is Build Your Network, which is the podcast dedicated to helping people grow their (laughs) inner circle. Um, Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Mm, I'm going to go in the camp of what you know. Uh, because what, you know, if it's well defined and articulated, will draw to you the people whom you need to know. Hmm. And I think that you can have a wonderful network, but if you don't have something of value to contribute it, or they don't know, or they, or you can't articulate it, or they don't, they don't understand it. They don't see it. Then in a lot of ways, what good is that network if you don't have something to contribute to it? Right, right. And tell us about a time uh, in your life specifically when a connection may have led to a moment of success for you. Oh, goodness. So I, that's, I, I'll, there have been so many. <laughs> oh, well, should I choose an old one or a new one? I, I think, <laughs> you know what, I will, um, you know, random encounters plus good work equals an incredible network. So way back in college, even I wanted to be a museum director because doesn't everyone. Um, but I wanted to be a museum director and I was in a store on Newbury street in here, here in Boston. And I happened to be talking to a friend about that, how I really wanted to work in a museum. I was particularly interested in a museum that was here called the Isabel Stewart Gardner museum. And it happened to be because I said that out loud, that there was another person in the store who said, Oh, I happen to know the person who's the head of the volunteer coordinators at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Would you like her name? And I said, yes. <laughs> and that started four years of working at the at the Gardner Museum. So wow. first as a volunteer, and then eventually because because I, I I was doing good work apparently, I got I got promoted to part-time work. And uh, yeah, I worked there for 20 hours a week uh, for the last two and a half, three years of, of college. Now you might say, well, okay, great, thanks. But one of the people that I worked for there was the head of marketing. And and I had a wonderful experience with her, a lovely woman still here in Boston named Joan Norris. And I, off I went after after college to grad school, that was in Dallas. And I had a job in Dallas as a change management consultant. I know very far away from museum directorship. Um, but then I, I wanted to come back to Boston. And so I reached out to Joan and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in returning to the museum world. Do you know anybody? And she said, well, yes, it happens to be that there's this, this position that just opened up at the PBDS museum, which is the museum I, I, talked about before. Now you'd think that the story would end there, except that three and a half years later, when I was ready to move on again, uh, wouldn't you know it, Joan reaches out and says, you know what? 
I see you've been doing great work at the PBS Museum, but I'm working right now. She was working part-time for an organization called the Boston Conservatory. And she said they are looking for a director of marketing communications. The position's been open for a year uh, because they're looking for the right person. And she says, I am 100% sure that that's you. And in fact, when I, I, I went there, I worked there, and that was, other than Weight Watchers, my longest running job to date was the four and a half years that I spent at the Boston Conservatory. So that's that's the that's the the chance encounter plus a, a wonderful network plus uh, good work ends up paying off. So super hypothetical here. If you had never made that connection, Tamsin, where do you think that your career would be right now? You know, I think it would be in something similar because I think the way that I'm wired, I may not be doing exactly this and I may not have taken exactly the path that I took, but I'm so wired to solve a certain kind of problem in organizations or with people. And, and that's something I generally refer to as helping people solve gaps. Like there's a, you're, there's a here and a there, and you can see the there and you're at the here, but you can't figure out how to cross the gap to get there. Uh, I do that over and over again at organizations. And I'm just that, you know, the thing that really drove my movement from position to position was more trying to find that than any particular person, you know? And so I think one of the biggest steps that I took in my career, and that was to move from the Boston Conservatory to Harvard Medical School, where I took over the communication strategy behind their fundraising. So I helped the people who ask for money figure out how to ask for money better. Um, which is always a challenge when it's Harvard, <laughs> who has an endowment larger than half the world's economy. Um, wow. I got that on a cold submission of a resume. And so, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I help your argument or not, but I'm somebody who, you know, back to that question you were asking earlier, is it what you know or who you know? Uh, it doesn't hurt to know people. But you, but you have to know something very specific and you have to be known for something specific um, and you have to be good at that specific thing. So I, I've had experiences both ways where a, a well-placed person and a, a well-established connection helped to make an entree. But then some of the biggest, some of the biggest opportunities are ones that I, that I clawed my way into myself, mm. um, you know, including the job that I had prior to becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, a, a company came in to do training at the advertising agency that I was working at. I looked at that job. I say, I want that job. This is, that's a great, I love what they're doing. I love what they talk about. I love how they talk about it. And so I went up to the CEO after the first day, I said, I want to have this job. How do I do this? And six months later I had it. And, and sometimes I think it's about recognizing the opportunity and taking advantage of it. But it really does come down to good intent. Like, I don't think you can just, I, I don't, th- yeah, I should say, I don't think you can be like, you can, you can boss your way or smarm your way into jobs, at least right. not a way, not in any way that, that, that lasts. Um, but if you, if you, if you do good work and you're not a jerk, then <laughs> it, generally that pays off for yeah. you. If you had to boil it down to one tip, Tamsin, one tip on networking, on building relationships, whatever you want to call it, what would that be? Know the problem that you solve for other people and be able to articulate it well. Is there a place that, that you go to specifically cultivate relationships with other people? Uh, 
uh, no, other than, well, I think that would be unfair. There's a, there's a digital space and my relationships with other people are usually, uh, particularly from a networking standpoint are based around affinity. So a lot of the connections I have in say the social media and the content marketing world, uh, which did produce a job once upon a time, uh, the advertising agency I, I, I mentioned, um, that, you know, that was very much in the early days of Twitter and, and blogs and all of that, very much based on affinity. And so I tend to go places where people are talking about the kinds of things that I'm interested in, though that aren't necessarily 100% in the lane of what I do. So I, I, I love reading and engaging with people on those things uh, when there is an opportunity to go to an actual event about those things I do. Because I think that's, it, it's that combination of getting to know people in a digital sense based on what you have in common, based on what you do or what you're interested in or the people you serve or the problems you solve. And then there is the serendipitous nature of meeting people in, in person. I'll have to say, though, that as an introvert by wiring, uh, you know, I'm a situational extrovert, as I like to say. Um, I don't like networking events. I don't find them valuable to me, like events that are set up intentionally to network. My best networking has happened serendipitously when there's been a collection of people interested in the same thing, but not interested in networking. It's like we, you know, it's the mental image I would have is you know, rather than in a networking event, everybody's kind of standing in a circle facing each other and trying to pick out who's going to be useful. And, and, and events that I find the most useful is when we're all standing side by side, looking at something that we all engage in together. And it ends up being those side to side conversations that produce the most valuable connections. So true. And exactly what you just brought up leads perfectly into my next question. Probably the biggest mistake that I see people make when they network is they are constantly, like you said, they have that radar for looking for somebody that's going to be able to benefit them in some way. They're looking to take and take and take. They're never looking to give. Um, what are some practical ways that you try to add more value to your circles than you receive? Mm. So one of the main things that I do really very tactically is that on my social networks, I, I share the research that I'm doing anyway. So with the work that I do with organizations and with individuals uh, to put messages together and positioning statements together and talks together and all those kinds of things, there's, there's a lot of time where you need to find things that help illustrate points or that are interesting stories to tell or interesting facts. And I do that kind of reading just as my normal, you know, sitting over coffee, if I drink coffee, time in the morning. And so one of the things that I do is just anything that I find interesting, I share it. And you, you can find all of that. Anything that's on my social networks, hashtagged swipe file is one of those things because I figure I, there's no possible way I can use all the information that I find, but other people might find it interesting. And in its way, it helps to helps to draw people towards me, uh, that are interested in similar things. And so, you know, I've made all sorts of interesting connections from seeing people share similar things or people who start to in, in, interact or engage with certain of the things that I share. And that's really strengthened certain relationships that were quite from a digital perspective, quite weak tie to begin with. So, uh, that's one thing that I do in person. One of the things that I try to do is ask more questions than I answer. Um, 
I, I, I really am curious about people and, and given the approach that I take when I'm working with, with organizations and individuals to figure out what their, what their through line is of their, of their work and their, and their projects or their life in certain cases, uh, there's a certain set of questions that are very helpful to me. Um, one is one that we already talked about, like, who are you for? And, and really helping to understand somebody else's perspective on who are they really there for? Are they for experts? Are they for skeptics? Are they for, you know, who, who, who is it that they, they really resonate with is a really, always a really interesting question. I like to ask people, what is it that you help? What is it that you like to help other people achieve? Um, another flip side of that is what are the problems, kinds of problems that you solve? Uh, I like to ask people, particularly once I get an answer to one of those two questions, like, why, why are you drawn to those problems? Like what, what are some of the core beliefs that you have, uh, that, that help explain why those kinds of problems are so interesting. Um, and then I like to ask people, well, what do you, what do you do? Like, what, how do you, how do you solve those problems once you've figured out what they are? And what's interesting selfishly for me as a, as a, as a student of people is, I just, I love hearing the variety of answers that I get from that. And what I often, what that often does is it, it doesn't ask someone straight out, like, so what do you do? Um, it helps me understand the approach that they take. And when I understand the approach that somebody takes, that tells me much, much more about who else I know might be a useful for them or a good connection for them, um, rather than simply what they do. Because what I find is that when it comes to a really effective network, it's, the, the approaches that you take are more useful as a basis for a network than anything else. So for example, you know, there's a lot of people who are in the, in the realm of the kind of thing that I do. I mean, I, I do a lot of message strategy work and brand strategy work, but I also do a lot of what people would call presentation or speaker coaching as well. And there's lots of folks in that area. Um, not everybody takes the same approach, but when I have a, when somebody comes to me and says, oh, I'm interested in this, let's say there's somebody who's really interested in working on their performance. Uh, well, that, I, I spend more time working on people's ideas. It's not that I don't do performance coaching, but it's not where I spend most of my time. But I know people, uh, Michael and Amy Port, for instance, who have a very similar approach to how they think about putting an idea out there and they do focus on performance and delivery. So it's very easy for me to be able to connect someone that way, because if somebody was interested in me and they like my approach, even if what they're asking me to do, is not what I do? It becomes much easier for me to identify somebody else in my, in my environment to whom I can pass that person who's going to be a better fit. Not, be, not only because they had the same approach, but that they do the very specific thing that that person's asking for. And so ultimately, that's why I find those tactical questions about approach to be really useful when it comes to meeting new people. Oh, yeah, definitely a key. Be interested, not interesting, as mm. my friend Dr. Ivan Meisner would say. Um, it's so, so important to just be genuine and actually care about what the other person has to say. And uh, I think the mistake that most people make, Tamsin, is that they just think really short term. They're looking at this relationship as, how can this benefit me within the next 48 to 72 hours when they really should be thinking, how can I help this person over the next five years? And um, just putting out the short term and thinking really, really, really macro, uh, I think will help <clears throat> do exactly what you were just saying. Mm, uh, who, 
Who is the most interesting or influential person that you've been able to meet through networking? Hmm. You mean from a kind of like a celebrity person or just, just, you know, who, who, who's in my circle that I consider to be, uh, interesting and your choice, your choice. Yeah. Either one. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I don't, I think it's probably unfair to say that, you know, have, you know, to have, Oh, you know what I, I do, I do have a person that I would put in there and it's Nyla for merchant who many may know from her Ted talks, but she's also an extraordinarily successful entrepreneur, uh, author of a couple books and one that's about to come out on onlyness. Um, and that came from that connection to her and the ability to meet her and talk with her and like, like we're Facebook friends now. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> came, came from kind of quite an interesting connection again through a network. So remember I said that I'd spent a lot of time in social media and content marketing and wasn't at, at an advertising agency about five, six years ago. Well, when I was there, uh, I went to a conference, the kind of that I talked about before, where there's an affinity group. So this is a conference of people from small agencies. Uh, one of the speakers there was a gentleman named Jonathan Fields, who's also very interesting to certain people. He's, he's a, a good life project and um, just a wonderful podcaster and author and speaker. Uh, well, he happened to come to an event that I, uh, big, through connections, um, he became aware of an event that I held in New York a couple of weeks ago on helping people find the idea of their next big talk. We had a great experience. Uh, we had a great, we had a great connection in that, in that event. And after the event, he said, you know what, I think what you do and what Nylifer does is are very similar and very compatible and complementary. and you two should meet each other. And so, and so he brokered that introduction and we had such a wonderful conversation. Um, but I, yeah, she's, she's the person that I think most recent that I would say that's a really, I'm, I'm excited that, that she came into my life simply through this quite unexpected chain of, of connections. And, uh, wrapping up here, Tamsin, if you moved to a new place, completely new place, lost all of your current contacts, had to restart, what would you do at that point to start rebuilding your network? Oh, that's a super question. What I would do uh, to start rebuilding my network from, from the ground up would be to research first, I think. I, I, I think in a lot of ways I would go and explore first the topics that I'm interested in and then pay attention to who are the people who are talking about those things. I would try to figure out where those people are and, and what do they go do? Uh, what are those conferences? What are the places they're talking about? I want to go there too. Not necessarily to meet them, but just because again, the approach, the mindset would be similar to me. And then I would, then I would start asking those questions that I ask. So it all really comes down to back to one of those early questions that you, that you asked about, it comes down to what, you know, I would start there and then reconstruct from there. Who are the people that I should know based on what they know? Tamsin, are you ready for the random round? Yes. This is the random round. What profession other than your own, do you think it would be fun to attempt? I would like to be a hairstylist. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? It would be Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, because she was an amazing observer of people, and she was also one of my mother, who is an anthropologist, one of the people she looked up to. How do you like to learn best? Books, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Books. 
100% books. <laughs> what is one book you could recommend to us? Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Morning routine, uh, get up, uh, exercise. If it's a day to exercise, make myself some breakfast, settle in over the New York Times crossword puzzle for the day, do some of my early morning research, and then start in on the project that needs my most creative attention first, and then on to my email. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, it is a, it, it, it's still Katy Perry's Roar. It's also a perfect running cadence, so it's that's a good one. What are you not very good at? Bowling. <laughs> bowling. <laughs> that sounded spiteful really, the I'm, way that you said I'm that. I'm crap at bowling, yeah. <laughs> bowling. <laughs> yeah. And I'm mad at it for it. Yes, I'm crap at bowling. All right. As we get everything kind of wrapped up here, Tamsin, what is one place where we'll be able to find you the most? Uh, everything centers on TamsinWebster.com, but I'm most active on Facebook. On Facebook. And is that just first and last name or is that a Facebook page? Or- yeah, Facebook, Facebook.com slash TamsinWebster. That's the brand page. Uh, but mo- many of my personal pages, uh, posts are public as well. Perfect. Well, Tamsin, thanks so much for coming to the show. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies, and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.